Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, this is Phil Spencer from Xbox, and this is the Kind of Funny Xcast. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Kind of Funny X-Cast, your home for all things Xbox here at Kind of Funny. Of course, I'm one of your hosts, Snowbike Mike. But before we get into anything, we got to give a big shout out right now to the Phil Spencer welcoming us all to the Kind of Funny X-Cast. Thanks, Phil, for doing the fun intro this week. And of course, for joining us here in the spare bedroom, I know Phil got the special VIP tour Paris before any of us even got here before the studio was even open so Phil hope you dig it hope you love the spare bedroom and thank you for being on set and giving us a nice intro we really really appreciate it but of course this is another episode of the kind of funny x cast we are back once again to bring you all the xbox news you need to know about and today have a very special review of call of duty modern warfare 2 the campaign for all of you gamers out there but I am joined with Roger Picorni here for the first time ever on the Kind of Funny X-Cast. Roger, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. This uh, is incredible. I'm excited to talk Call of Duty, man. Yeah, we're talking Call of Duty, you and I. You get to be on the big yeah. set with my gaming dads in the background virtually calling in. It's great to have you, Roger. And, you know, when I looked around the office, I said, who can I call upon to get in the weeds when they go wild and rage out in Call of Duty with me. And you stood right up and you said, Mike, I'll do the review with you. I got so you. thank you for that. Of course, we got to welcome in my gaming dads. Looking behind us, calling in virtually. We'll start off with the rogue one. Not feeling too well today. Usually joining me on set from this point forward here in sunny San Francisco. But Gary Witta, how you feeling? How you looking today, my friend? Yeah, I'm feeling a bit rough, but better better today than I was yesterday. Yesterday I was I was really bad. As you know, we should have recorded this on Wednesday, but I was so I felt so sick that it just I couldn't even do it uh, remotely. And it's a real bummer, you know. We've been out of the studio for so long because of COVID. We finally get to a point where we're able to get back in the studio. I do one show, and then I go and get another <laughs> respiratory virus, and I, I one show in, and I'm already um, stuck back in a little Zoom box as I have been all through the pandemic. So I'm confident that next week and on an ongoing basis I'll be back in the studio, Roger. Thank you very much for keeping the seat warm uh, in the interim. Uh, but, you know, I actually was well. I, I could have come in today. I felt well enough to do it, but I'm still very contagious. I didn't want to get anyone else sick. So better, better to keep me at a distance for now. Good. Well, we appreciate you taking care of us and the team. And I hate you being in the Zoom box. I cannot wait for you to be back by my side here on the set. Of course, saving best for last, my final gaming dad, Mr. Paris <laughs> Lilly. Paris, I think you have a bone to pick with Phil Spencer. Is that true? I got I got two bones to pick because I'm looking at one in real time. I'm going to break the fourth wall and uh, the slack that's going on. I see Greg is taking your in and out order. So oh. I'll take two double doubles, animal style, throw them immediately in the trash. I'll take that order. <laughs> Paris, but, no! Yeah. 
<laughs> but yeah, when 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 I saw that Phil Spencer was in studio, and not only did he record the awesome intro for, so I do want to thank him for that, but he also recorded something for KFW, and Greg showed that to me. I go, really? He gets to be on the X Cast set before any of us are on the X Cast set. I couldn't believe that. I mean, but we but can see I can his. Uh, do you, we can see his uh, live reaction to being told that. Do you, do you guys want to see that? Oh yeah, yeah. let's see it. Uh... <laughs> Am I the first one? How awesome is that? For the first time ever, we're rolling. How that's? I say we like I have anything to do with it. You're rolling. <laughs> Am I the first one? How awesome is that? For the first time ever, we're rolling. How that's? I say we like I have anything to do with it. You're rolling. No, <laughs> pretty special right there. So that's awesome. Phil got to see it all and be a part of it. So thank you again, Phil, for that one. Paris, you you picked your two bones, but I have a special one for you. For you, Big Daddy. I hear it's your birthday coming up very soon, so we got to celebrate your uh, birthday and say, say happy birthday, Paris Lilly. No, you know that, Big <laughs> Dog. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, unfortunately, my Buccaneers didn't give me a birthday present <laughs> <laughs> yesterday, but no, thank you. Yeah, my birthday is on uh, Sunday, so looking forward to it. Just spend a little time with the family. It'll be good. That's that's great, Paris. Uh, of course, you've got to have the quote-unquote Halloween birthday since you're right around the corner from that, so I'm sure you have some great stories, some great memories from that, but most importantly, I want to say happy birthday to you, Paris. Thank you for everything, and thanks for being part of the X-Cast crew. We've been having a blast. Guys, let's get into it because we've got a full show to jump into. So, of course, allow me to welcome you to the Kind of Funny X-Cast. We post each and every Thursday at 6 a.m. West Coast, Best Coast time on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games. And, of course, on your favorite podcast service around the globe. If you're listening on one of your favorite podcast services, do me a favor. Leave us a review. Give us a thumbs up. Whatever you like to do, let us know how we're doing here at the Kind of Funny team, because your input means the world to us. And, of course, don't forget that next week we got a big one for you. I know this is a Kind of Funny X-Cast. I know we talk all things Xbox, but one of the biggest games of the year is about to drop, and the Kind of Funny Games cast crew has you covered. This week on Thursday, November 3rd, 2022, the Kind of Funny Games cast crew will do a live recording of the God of War Ragnarok review on both Twitch and YouTube at 9 a.m. West Coast, Best Coast time. So be there for one of the biggest reviews of the year. You don't want to miss out on their input, their insights of God of War Ragnarok. Very, very exciting. And of course, don't forget that we are now Epic Games partners. If you're buying anything off the Epic Games store, if you're upgrading your look in Fortnite or Rocket League, or if you're buying a season pass in some of your favorite games like Fall Guys, please use our Epic Creator Code, kind of funny, at checkout to help support the team here at Kind of Funny. And talking about support, of course, we'd like to thank our Patreon producers for the month of October. ID Raven, Fargo Brady on YouTube, Delaney Twining, James Hastings, and Casey Andrew. Thank you all so much for your support on Patreon. This week, the Kind of Funny X-Cast is sponsored by Policy Genius and the official Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power podcast. But we'll tell you all about that in just a little bit. Guys, let's get right into the show. And I thought we'd kick it off and enjoy the spooky season, right? Because there's some great genres of video games out there. But sometimes you look at Halloween, you think of October, and you say, man, I need to get scared. I need to have a couple of jump scares in my life. So I thought we'd kick it off with giving some of the viewers out there some good horror game recommendations. So it got me going through my backlog, and I said, man, 
What are some of the games that got me out of my chair screaming and shouting? And I'm sure kind of funny best friends out there know a couple of them because we've had some great live moments on some of the live streams of me possibly trying to rip off my own T-shirts live on camera to run from the screen. But I have some really good ones, and I want to hear from each and every one of you. So I'll go first to give you guys a little bit of time. But some of your favorite horror games is what I want to hear about. And so I put down a couple categories for all you single-player gamers out there. I put down Resident Evil 8. Really, really liked Resident Evil 8. I enjoyed it up to a certain point, and I think there's a certain point in these horror games that we have to have a conversation about where kind of the scares and the spooks kind of drop, right? You, you kind of lose out on that. You're already in too deep, and you, you can't get scared anymore. But Resident Evil 8, the moment you hit the dollhouse, if you've played yep. the game, you know the dollhouse is probably one of the most scary moments in video games I've ever experienced. Yep. I'm blown away by what they created in that world from the castle to the dollhouse. Everything after that lost the scare, right? Yep. I think that's where it was like, oh, you can't, you can't beat that level of what you created there. So had to give a big shout out to Resident Evil 8. As I go down, Little Nightmares 1 and 2. I think that's a fun, creepy game that you could play with a loved one on the couch. Really enjoy that. And I think they set the atmosphere really well in that game. There's some really cool moments. Uh, for all of you multiplayer games out there, if you're a multiplayer gamer like myself, I got a couple good recommendations for you. Of course, Dead by Daylight. That is a 4v1 uh, isometric game right there. And of course, the fun part about that is just being scared by the one killer, right? Yep. Coming up behind you as you're trying to turn on that engine to get the light flickered on is always spooky and scary. The music always intensifies when it's near and you know you got to run for cover. So I really love that one. Keeping it going, of course, everybody knows Phasmophobia. Go get lost, hunt some ghosts with your friends. And then finally, <laughs> I got to recommend Inside the Back Rooms. This is the game that we played on stream that I have given my heart and soul to. I have screamed and shouted. I have lost hours of the day to this game. And it's just so good. So I have to recommend those ones. Uh, personally, I want to go to you next. What are some good horror games for the best friends to check out. So I'm, I'm actually kind of terrible at this, but uh, I, I do have to give a shout since we're doing this live. Somebody in the chat, when you said that, immediately <laughs> goes, a great horror game would be Khalif playing Cooking Mama. <laughs> I don't know, that just made me laugh. But uh, Silent Hill obviously would be one. I mean, you've obviously already mentioned like Resident Evil. So I mean, going into the Resident Evil games, Layers of Fear would, would be another. Um, and, like Evil Within, um, especially the first one, um, yes. I thought thought was a great great horror game as well. Um, yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm bad at this. Like, I know it's kind of horror, but it's really not. I, 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 I'm always partial to the, the first Walking Dead game. Oh. That, that first episode. I, I Again, but that was just more of it was tugging on the string heartstrings at the end but i mean clearly there's there's some horror elements in there as well with the zombie stuff but uh that, that'd probably be my list i think you hit on everything else i would have said i like that poll right there i think we have somebody who worked on that game behind us we can talk to him about it in just a moment roger i want to kick it to you because i want to save gary for last because i have a question for him to wrap it up roger what are some good recommendations that you would give to the best friends oh well you hit up on a bunch of them but my favorite is resident evil 7 i oh. love that one like specifically just how consistently scary it is throughout it like it create resident evil 8 is for sure a scary game but it's a lot it's, it's more pulpy it's fun it's actiony it has that scary moment but for me resident evil 7 
the entire time is terrifying. The entire time it is scary. We got some great moments with Blessing, Joe McWolf, but that for me is the one to go to. It is just completely an atmospheric moment for sure. That's a good one right yeah. there. And they put that in VR too. Yeah, That was like dude. the early days of VR there. And they were like, hey, you got scared once. Let's do it again. <laughs> that was a good one right there. So good pull there, Roger. And I'll never forget that scary manner in the swamp. I don't think anybody will ever forget those moments for sure. Gary, I need to have some recommendations from you, and then I have a question for you afterwards. So give me some of the recommendations for the viewers out there. Well, Mike, as I think as I've mentioned on the Xcast uh, before, I've, I know I've talked about this before in some context and kind of funny, I don't play horror games anymore. The last, the, 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 just a, the whole genre is just a big fat note for me. <laughs> um, they're too scary. I, I, I can do horror movies, I can read horror books, but there's something about horror. If you ask me, like, what is the scariest medium to experience the genre of horror, it's video games. Because you are that much more directly connected. You know, you know in a movie, you're watching someone go down the, the, you know, the, 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 the staircase into the basement where you know the serial killer is or whatever it is. In a video game, it's you doing it. And this, that shit is jumping out at you. And it's just for that reason, it's that much more immediate, that much more scary. The last horror game I ever played, like pure horror that I just played by myself was Fatal Frame 2 on the PlayStation 2. Ooh. And when I discovered that that game fucks with you, even when it's in pause mode, that's when I decided I was done with, with horror games. Go, I, I, won't, I won't get into it, but like, if you've never done it, like put, go, get, go check out a stream or whatever on YouTube video, Fatal Frame 2, or play it, put it in pause mode, and wait a couple of minutes. It's the worst. And that's when I realized that I just don't like horror games anymore. I just the constant sense of like heightened anxiety as you're waiting for something terrible to happen. Like some people really enjoy that. Like, horror is, is a form of entertainment like any other. Like, people enjoy that, that. They like being scared. I like being scared only up to a certain point. I just have a lower tolerance, a lower threshold for it, which most video games go beyond. I can play, um, uh, I can watch, like I said, I can watch a horror movie. I can't watch it by myself, like, you know, late at night in a, in, a, in, a, in a house with the lights off. Like someone needs to be there. I can watch it with my wife or whatever, but like I cannot. I can't do that by myself. And that's, the, that's also the only way I can even experience a horror game. Like if Leah wants to play, maybe we played Resident Evil 2 Remake recently. She went through that. I enjoyed kind of watching her play it because I'm not the one like on the controller. I'm kind of at a remove. I'm trying to think of like other like scary games that I have played. Inside's a good example of it. It's not really a horror game, but it's very scary. It's, very, it's got a very kind of creepy, weird, unsettling vibe to it. I like that. We did try playing Resident Evil 7. I got all the way to like just inside the house. Yeah which is what, like 10 minutes into the game? And I'm like, you know what? Fuck this. I don't enjoy <laughs> feeling this way. Yeah. I don't enjoy feeling afraid. I don't like it. Some people do. I don't. And so I'm fascinated by the genre of horror. I'll give you the most recent example. And again, it's somewhat out of remove. And Mike, you'll know this one because I think you played it recently on stream. I watched a stream of someone playing this game called The Mortuary Assistant. Yes. Fuck, fuck that also. Like it's too, it's too, it's too scary. I don't enjoy the genre. I think I think it's a brilliant genre. There's a lot of really interesting work being done in the horror genre, and I'm fascinated by it. And I enjoy like looking at them and watching them and stuff like that. But in terms of like sit down in a dark room and play a horror game like on a big TV and VR, forget about it. I'm not even. I told you my one experience I had with VR horror. Never doing it again. So I, I, I admire the genre. I, I'm a big fan of it in a kind of intellectual way. I think it's very cool that we have horror games and I do think they push the boundaries of horror beyond what is even possible like in a lot of horror movies and other mediums. It's just not for me personally, my threshold is low enough that I, I, I just can't tolerate most horror games. It's too much for me. Too scary. Yeah. 
Gary, once the spooks wore off and the mortuary's assistant, it just became me clocking in nine to five. I mean, I was putting in work on my daily tasks of just cleaning up these cadavers, getting them looking good, getting right, putting them away. I was having so much fun with that game by the end, and I just became, it became a day job to me. Yeah. So I loved that one. That's a good one there, Gary. I was going to ask you, what makes a good horror game, Gary? Because, of course, you are Mr. Hollywood. Some what are some of those, maybe the story or the gameplay, what are some of those elements that, like, you look at and you go, you have to have the spook Gary Witta and to spook the player out there? I think, I, I would say the same thing about the horror games, I would say about movies, um, is that the ones that don't overly rely on jump scares to scare you are the ones that generally, I mean, I, I, almost every horror game has, like, jump scares in them. I get it. The easiest thing in the world to do, right? Any, I, I can come up behind you and go, boo, and scare you. But there wasn't anything necessarily clever about it. Like any anything can jump out at you at any time. And again, the jump scare only lasts for a second, right? That's the thing. What lasts for much longer is that feeling of like, that's like Alfred Hitchcock said, right? The suspense is terrible. I hope it will last. Like that's the feeling, right? That you that that sense of like the jump scare only lasts a second, but like all the time between it, if a game can maintain a sense of like something bad can happen at any moment and probably will that sense of like in that heightened anxiety that adrenaline is running your guard is up you know you're constantly afraid of like what's going to be around the next door the next corner games that can kind of maintain that and do it well and just kind of maintain a generally kind of creepy unsettling vibe those are the games that i i, I think are most successful I, again i have to say those are the games i like because i don't like them but I think those are the games that are most successful at delivering that kind of experience for people who do enjoy being put in that frame of mind. Oh, yeah. I want to give a shout out, of course. If you're looking for a fun movie night, Gary Witta, when we talk about the horror games, we got to give a shout out to the Dark Pictures Anthology and, of course, Supermassive with The Quarry recently, right? And they've Oh, formed, yeah, we played The Quarry recently. Yeah. Lee and I played mm. The Quarry. We, uh -huh. we, played, we played that in that co-op mode where she played all the girls and I played all the boys. So we would... <laughs> Um, the thing about the quarry though, quarry's much more like it's fun, it's funny. There's a couple of decent scares in it, but like the vibe there is much more like kind of like '80s throwback horror kitsch. And yes. so th th that to me, like it's not as grim as you know, like a hereditary type experience where it's just pure like we're gonna we're gonna like go all out to like make you make you as miserable and as afraid as possible the whole time. The quarry is scary, but it's fun scary. I have much I have a much higher tolerance. For those kind of games, I, I actually enjoyed the quarry for what it was, and it was very, very well done. Beautiful production values, just really, really, really well put together. I felt like a bit all over the place with like, oh, there's there's a werewolf, but there's also a crazy, you know, redneck killer family, and there's like, he's like, how many like <laughs> horror tropes can we throw into one game? Maybe I, I think kind of, and there's also like that weird ghost. But I think that was like kind of the 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 vibe of it was like we're just gonna throw every horror trope. In, you know, in the kitchen sink at the game as possible. I thought it was very well done. And again, the fact that it was like somewhat kind of tongue in cheek in tone was what made it tolerable for me. Yeah. Yeah. So shout out to that. Of course, if you're an Xbox gamer out there, of course, you're listening to the kind of funny X cast or watching. Don't forget you had a great game pass update for the middle of October, adding a bunch of horror games in there to the collection. So go get some scares, go have some fun with you, your family and your friends right now over on the Xbox ecosystem. But guys, we are here today for a big one. Let me check my calendar. Let me check my watch. It's Call of Duty time, everybody. It's that one time a year where you grab all of your squad. You gather around the TV, Doritos, 
Mountain Dew, <laughs> and we just play all <laughs> night long. It's a special time. And Paris, you have heard me on the Kind of Funny X-Cast how important and special Call of Duty is to me, right? I love the annualized release. I love this time of year, right? Right when you get in to the holiday season, here's Call of Duty to bring the energy, to bring that killer multiplayer first-person shooter game that you love and you know, right? And of course, we're back again. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, the sequel, the not sequel, the 17th edition. <laughs> it's just back again. It's 2022. It doesn't matter the name anymore. We got a new one right now. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 has released as of today that we're recording with the full kit and caboodle package. But last week they did a really cool move and they released the campaign early, one week early for everybody that bought the game, which we're going to talk about. I think that was a really smart move. But we're going to give you yeah. the official kind of funny review of the campaign right now here on this podcast. And I'll also give a little bit, a sprinkle of some multiplayer that I've played throughout last night and this morning. But guys, Infinity Ward is back again. Call of Duty's here with the Modern Warfare gameplay that you know and love. It usually switches off, of course, we've talked about uh, Vanguard with the World War II aspect. We've gone to Black Ops and where that's at, we're back with Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Roger, I know you and I, have played through it all. My two gaming dads, they stepped up to the plate. They've played some of it right now. I want to start with you since I've been talking a bunch. Tell me what is your first, you know, your quick review, your quick uh, thoughts on Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 before we dive deep into it. Sure. Um, I am, I think, a lot more negative on this game than I know that Gary is and Mike is from their tweets and just talking to Mike. Uh, I think this is a three out of five uh, okay. if I were to rate, rate this on the kind of funny scale. For me, Modern Warfare or Call of Duty in general, right? Like, it is always something where it, it goes all over the place. It is like a Michael Bay action movie vibe. But Modern Warfare 2019 was kind of a revelation for me where even though it had those moments, it did have those, the, the character of Farrah where she is the emotional crutch of that story, right? She is the person that revolves around the entire conflict. She makes all the big stuff feel personable and Modern Warfare 2 just doesn't have that. And that's kind of the thing that throughout it uh, threw me off where they have all these new characters or quote unquote new characters, characters that we've seen in MW2 2009. Now they're brought back and they're different. They have vo new voice, voice actors and backstories, but they don't feel like characters. They feel like just dude bros shooting and having a good time and, you know, just they're bros. And that's kind of their whole character arc. Uh, I was just missing understanding who these guys were. Um, there is a little bit of that with a character named Alejandro. Uh, and I thought that was cool when, you know, he was able to have his little moments. But in in the grand scheme of things, it is just more and more for me wasn't always the best. And I also think that that goes into the game design, right? Like they do a lot, to, they try to mix it up a lot, but I don't think none of it is as good as just the pure shooting for me. I love the shooting of the mechanics and I feel like they just didn't rest enough on that. They tried to kind of distract you with like AC-130s and snipers and it just didn't hit as well as just the pure like, hey, we're infiltrating a building, we're going through all the levels and we're doing the basic Call of Duty stuff. Uh, so for me... It was kind of a miss and a little bit disappointing because this was my most anticipated game of the year, for sure. Like, Roger, very well done. I like Appreciate that it. a lot. <laughs> I am on the opposite side of you, Roger. Of course, over on my side, I'm much higher on this. This is a four out of five on the Kind of Funny Review scale. A great game. Mm -hmm. In my mind, this is the best Call of Duty campaign in the modern era. 
I think what they did is head and shoulders above the rest when you look at this, right? The presentation value that I know Paris and Gary are going to talk about, right? The quality in the audio and the voice acting. The I go back again, just the look of the game itself. The gunplay is top tier. We talk about it each and every year of Call of Duty. This is simply a great campaign. This is a great game to jump in if you know what Call of Duty is, right? We're going to go around the world, like you said. We're going to have these incredible set pieces, these awesome moments. And what I really appreciate is they learned what they had in 2019. And I do agree with you. The characters, the story might be a little more lacking in that, but I think they elevated the gameplay, right? No more do we just see monster closets of bad dudes running out and mindlessly <laughs> shooting for minutes on end, right? Yeah. They took what they saw in 2019. They elevated that, right? Everybody liked Breach and Clear. They said, okay, you like that? Let's slow down the gameplay. Let's have you double-check all the doors and corners and the rooms that you go through. Let's try new things, right? You had the fun Splinter Cell Watchdogs moments where you and Ghost are infiltrating a baddies camp and you're moving him through the camera. I love that moment where we get out of just the gunplay and we say, hey, let's try something different. Let's put you underwater and show you these new mechanics. Let's show you what Warzone could bring to you. And that's what we'll talk about in a little bit because this gameplay is clearly an indication of where we're going in the war zone, right? Hijacking vehicles, being able to lean out of the car while driving instead of change seats, half lean out and shoot, right? This is the next generation of Call of Duty. Being in the helicopter and being able to move freely in the back of it. That's the things that players that play every single day want to see, right? How do we elevate that gameplay? And there is a misstep, right? And I think we'll talk about that. All of a sudden, they decide, you know what? Let's add crafting into this. Let's go stealth crafting like it's the last of us. And that doesn't work in this situation, right? But thankfully, that is just few and far between of the moments that you actually get to play and enjoy here. I love Task Force 141, right? I love seeing these characters come back. As you said, probably poor way of introducing some of them, especially because if you're a Warzone player, you know some of them were introduced to the story via Warzone, which is just totally insane to yeah. do, you know? It just doesn't work like that, in all honesty. But I am blown away by what this team at Infinity Ward and Activision is able to do. We talk about these incredible human beings and how talented they are. They have one of the best games on planet Earth, and they make some of the best around when it comes to visual and gameplay. And we've talked about Activision, and those people deserve the best place to work, they deserve the best as employees, and they're being mistreated, and that's a whole different conversation. But man, oh man, when we talk about what they've created, you look at it and you go, man, this is stunning. This is incredible. And those men and women are truly so talented there. So I love it. I'm very high on it. I think it is the best of the best, and I would recommend it to anyone that's looking for a good first-person shooter campaign. Gary, my bro dude, let's get you, my gaming dad's involved now. Gary, you love the bro dude shooter. I said, Gary, play some of this. What are your thoughts? What are your first impressions of this? Oh, I didn't need you to tell me to play it, Mike. I play these. <laughs> I always, I always play the modern ones. I, the, the World War II ones, I can, I can do without. Um, but particularly the modern warfare and Black Ops. Every, every year that they, I, Black Ops Cold War, uh, two years ago, I really, really loved it. I loved the, the first modern war, uh, more, uh, modern warfare in 2019, and I enjoyed this one uh, a lot as well. Now, I should clarify, I haven't finished the campaign. I think I'm probably about, my sense is I'm probably about two-thirds of the way through it, considering, like, based on how long these things typically are and, like, where I am in the quote-unquote story, I kind of feel like I probably am about two-thirds of the way through. I mean, I'm enjoying it immensely. I don't think it's good as 20, it's as good as 2019, where that central character 
of Farrah, as Roger said, I felt like really elevated it and took it to another level. Farrah is back in this one, but in a much more kind of supporting, like, Raw, where you kind of go, oh, it's Farrah! And, like, everyone's, like, glad to see her, but she's kind of, like, it's very, very, it's a little kind of more than a, than a cameo, and I almost kind of wish they had done more uh, with her. So I'll, I'll say this, like, as a story guy, it kind of feels weird. It kind of feels weird uh, coming for me, but, like, I almost don't care that there isn't anything like a coherent story in this game. It really is just a bunch of dudes, a bunch of bros running around in fucking cool military gear saying, solid copy, and, like, you know, <laughs> kicking down doors and just being cool. And, like, sometimes that's just enough. Like, you know, for me, like, I grew up, I, I read the, I love the Tom Clancy books, Jack Ryan, Jason Bourne, those fucking ones that have got, like, Gerard Butler running around the White House or whatever, shooting people, like, every now and again, you just want some of that, I call it macho bullshit, and that's all it is, but sometimes that's okay, like, I wouldn't want that to be, like, our entire cultural landscape, and particularly these days, there are reasons why you really, like, don't want to have too much of that stuff, but, like, every now and again, it is this kind of, like, guilty pleasure, it really is, like, eating this rich dessert, where you're like, man, I really shouldn't be eating this, I, there's probably, like, stuff that I should be eating that's, like, way better for me, but, like, I just don't care, because it's so tasty, and for the few hours that I'm playing this, I'm just enjoying, like, moment, the moment-to-moment gameplay, I'm enjoying the macho testosterone adrenaline bullshit, I'm enjoying, you know, the, being in the company of these characters, in a soap, and and Price and Ghost that we've been around for a long time. And, you know, they're, they're just like old friends that come up, like they come back every couple of years and it's good to reconnect with them. Having said that, it does make you think, because again, the, the other point that both of you have made very well, the technical aspects of this game are absolutely, I think, unrivaled. The, face, the facial capture, the cinematic direction, the graphics in general, the sound design are just absolutely off the charts. They're so, 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 so good. Um, that it makes it, it kind of makes you think, man, just think how good this would be if all of this incredible technical ability, if these incredible graphics, these amazing performances were backed up by any kind of like coherent story that you actually gave a shit about. I, I thought about this a few times. There were the few times when I was playing the game this, over this past week where I stopped the game and I thought to myself, what is actually going on in the story right now? Like, where are we in the story? What is the overall picture of the story that's happened? What am I trying to do? And like, why do I care? And like, I couldn't at any point tell you. I just, but then it just like kicked in the next door and shot, and shot some more people. Like there's a missile and there's a, there's someone's got a missile that they're going to shoot at something. And there's narco you know, cartels involved and the, and terrorists. And, you know, we, we all know who the good guys and the bad guys are. And there's kind of a zero dark 30 kind of angle to all of it. And it's mashing up all of these cinematic, you know, influences. And, and by the way, Roger's right. This is by far, I think, I feel like this is more so than the ones they've had in the past. I think Modern Warfare, they tried to make it seem a little bit more serious and a little bit more kind of Catherine Bigelow, Zero Dark Thirty. For this one, they just went full on, full on Michael Bay. Yeah. That, again, without wanting to do too many spoilers, that whole sequence that you're doing, hanging upside down on a rope, is so <laughs> ridiculous. But that's what some, it's like, oh my God, like this is so silly. It almost felt more like a scene from like an Uncharted game where they yes. have the license to be silly and Indiana Jonesy, And I don't know, it's a weird kind of tonal mashup between, well, look, this is serious and we're here in the Middle East and there's drug cartels and terrorists and there's, there's got to be an element of, like, you can't just play this purely for entertainment. But there are times when they just do that and it gets very, one minute is zero dark 30 and it's a bit more grounded and dark and serious, but then it's like complete just Michael Bay nonsense. And, you know, that it's, it, it, it vacillates between these, um, between these tones in a way that is a little bit weird, but it didn't overall like spoil my enjoyment of it. It is so beautifully done. 
if I, I, I don't want to talk for too long, but there's, there's, there's weird like behavioral stuff. There's a shootout in Amsterdam where like half the people, the, the NPCs yeah. in the street were freaking out and the other half were just sitting there continuing to join their, <laughs> yeah. enjoy their coffee. There's weird kind of behavioral bugs and things like that. It's, it's problematic in probably about 50 different ways that are, like a whole other podcast we would need to get into it. But like, again, if I just set all that aside and sit down for a few hours and say like, I want to just shoot stuff and be a cool bro and say things like affirm and just be that guy. And just be a, and, and, and there's so many throwbacks to like classic modern warfare moments. The C130. Uh, there's there's a, a, a practically a complete remake of All Gillied Up. Yeah. You know, there's yep. all these things that we that we love. It's like, it, it, it does kind of feel like a, a a mashup of like all the modern warfare greatest hits. And again, I think ultimately, if you really step back from it and say like, is this any good? You kind of have to say no because the story is just kind of a blare and like it just feels like a lot of sound and fury signifying nothing. But again, if you just like take the artistic um, side of it out and just go, am I enjoying myself moment to moment? Is this delivering like moment to moment thrills? Yes, it absolutely does that brilliantly. I just wish there was a bit more cohesion around it. So you felt like you were, you were experiencing a story that you could step back from and appreciate more than just the moment to moment um, gunplay. Yeah. Paris Lily, I know you're just jumping in and checking it out. I appreciate you playing a little bit of it. What were some of your initial thoughts when you jumped into this one? Yeah, yeah. So, so to be clear, I'm probably maybe half, probably less, less, a little less than half way through the campaign. But I think to echo what you've already said, Mike and and Gary, like Gary, I think you absolutely nailed my thoughts on this. The way I look at this whole modern warfare universe that they've created with Price and Soap and Ghost is don't take yourself, be be a little serious, but don't take yourself too seriously, right? This, and I think you had the great analogy. To me, this feels like you transported me back to 1985, and this is a movie that was directed by Michael Bay and written by Shane Black. That's yeah. what this game is. Yes. And I am so fine with that. I don't care if the story makes sense. It doesn't matter to me because Infinity Ward, the, 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 the production values that they put into this game are just some of the best that we've honestly seen in this industry, period. And again, it really is. That's how, from a technical standpoint, from a production standpoint, that's how good this game looks. That's how good this game actually plays. And to your point, Mike, that you brought up, this doesn't feel like the monster jumping out of the closet. I feel like they did slow down some somewhat on some of the missions and and it does feel more tactical it does feel more like an actual military you know shooter experience that i enjoy i i just simply enjoy this type of game not for the story whatever just for the moment to moment action that it potentially could give me so i'm fine with it i actually do kind of lean towards Roger in the way this is probably a three out of five experience if you put everything together for what a Call of Duty campaign is. But I think it's such a strong three that it's worth your time to go in and play it, that that you will enjoy your time. And again, I've not finished it, so we'll see by the end, but I'm enjoying myself. You know, um, yeah, the story, the story could could use a little bit of work, but when you add everything else up to, to what you get from this, I mean, I think it's great. And I'm saying this from someone who's honestly fallen off from the Call of Duty campaigns. I've really not invested or, or really played any of the Call of Duty campaigns. I would probably say the last three or four. So me jumping back into this now, 
and enjoying it. I'm like, yep, and and I know you're going to bring this up already, Mike. Yeah, they did the smart thing by allowing us to play this a week early yes. versus putting out at yeah. the same time as the multiplayer. Because look, everybody's coming to Call of Duty for the multiplayer. We know that, but to give us this standalone experience that you can invest a few hours in, have some fun with, you're going to put it down and you're not going to revisit this again. And I think that's why it's more of a three out of five experience, because once you've experienced it, you're done. There's no reason to go back and really play the campaign again. You're going to jump into multiplayer and that's where you're going to spend, you know, your hundred plus hours, you know, doing the multiplayer stuff. But for what this campaign is, I'm good with it. Enjoyed it. Solid. Yeah. yeah really quick before we move on, I just want to highlight that, releasing a week early, right? I think we've seen it before. Hey, we're going to release the multiplayer early, right? That's usually the trend. And we know most of the gamers out there that are playing Call of Duty, they're jumping right into the multiplayer. The story always gets outshined. Probably 20% of the players ever actually complete the campaign. So the idea of, hey, a week right. beforehand, we're going to give you the campaign and we're going to let you see this. We're going to let you experience this without anything else around it. Brilliance. Yeah. That was a very smart move, especially when we come off of 2019, which everybody talked about, right? This is a clinically acclaimed, hey, this is really something different that Call of Duty's doing to know, hey, here we are, 2022, campaign's out first, you go play it. Brilliant move. I wanted yeah. to give him the shout out to that one. I feel like I saw a lot more people talking about it on TikTok and everything. Like yeah. you, if, if this was multiplayer and campaign, you would see the you would see all the social media stuff about the multiplayer. Yep. So like to be able to see people talking about specific moments and stuff mm -hmm. was was brilliant on their part. We've talked a lot. Yeah, about give it room to breathe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've talked a lot about the good, and I want to circle back to the good, but I do want to talk a little bit about the bad. Some yeah. of our negatives here out of our reviews, right? Because there is a couple moments that I brought up with mine, and I want to hear some of yours, Rogers, and Gary and Paris of what are some of the bads, right? I, I know a lot of people experience bugs. Yeah. I personally lucked out. I played over on PC and Xbox. I will say my PC looked a little bit better, but Xbox still very stunning, very strong performance from the Xbox. No bugs on mine. Just a small glitch on one mission. Had a couple of friends who are sending me photos. We're watching live streams of them playing through. Looks like a PS1 game. The graphics not loading in at all looked really bad, right? So I know there are some bugs going around. I didn't experience any bugs, thankfully. But the bad for me was, what's up with crafting? What, what was our thought process there that we think, you know what? Let's do crafting in See, this. I didn't vibe with that. For me, I think that that would have been a fine moment uh, if it was integrated into integrated into the earlier part of the game, mm. right? Like that, and I think that's my bigger issue with MW2 mm -hmm. is that this game has a lot of ideas, but none of them or a lot of them don't connect to each other, right? Like we're introducing crafting halfway into the game now, and then it leaves a mission later, and then it comes back. Like there are multiple new elements that they bring in that are just like here's one mission of doing this thing and it works sometimes like for me my biggest red flag the thing that i didn't love was that driving mission where you are jumping out and you're mm -hmm. talking about how good it is for me it was extremely clunky and i did have a lot of bugs during that mission where i was bumping into cars and i was doing the spin in the air exploding like i did have a lot of bugs but even without the bugs it just wasn't as fun to me to do like kind of like a car chase where you know the guy's comically throwing bombs out by the back like it's a looney tunes cartoon yeah. like it's it's it just doesn't connect for me and like i for me we as we talk about modern warfare we talk about the shooting we talk about how 
amazing that game is to just play just the basic like operations of walking around and looking into the into the other rooms and seeing somebody and take them out like that's so fun and to take that away for many like missions in a row is is a lot i think the thing that was really strong was that mission we're talking about the all gillied up um, yes. mission that mission first of all that's just fun like sniping fun. is fun as hell and with can i give a shout out real yeah. quick Price as your co-captain did so well because when I would miss shots, he would check you. Yeah. Every voice line was very well done. It was right on the money. It was well delivered of like, are you okay there, dude? You missed him, right? Or like, hey, if I had a good shot, he's like, great job. Like the back and forth between those two felt natural and felt on where I was like, oh, wow, good job with the voice acting. Yeah, you know? it was it was incredible. And then also going forward with that, you then go in and then you can infiltrate the way that you want to infiltrate. You can throw yes. a tear gas. You can uh, hit them from the top. You can just storm in with the C4. Like, that's really cool to me, especially with, like, that introduces a lot of different play styles. And they just didn't have that throughout the game. Like, that's just a one-mission thing. So I would have just like liked a lot more cohesiveness with the gameplay side of things. Because if, if the story was whatever, because it is pretty much, like, kind of a homage to MW2, the original one, as we'll talk and remember mm -hmm. this, that campaign is very much like we are all over the place we are doing cliffhanger we are doing this we're doing that i don't know who i'm playing as i don't know this guy doesn't talk so we're all over the place so i'm fine with that but the gameplay elements not being connected that was a bigger misfire for me and i think that's why it leads to my light by three which i i think is still if you like call of duty play it for sure but it's uh it's still a three for me Want to go to my gaming dads before we take a quick uh, word from our sponsors. Paris, I'll start with you first. What were some of the negatives that stood out to you in your early impressions here? I mean, to be perfectly frank with you, nothing other than some minor bugs here or there. I, you know, seen some wall clipping, things like that. Nothing that felt truly egregious that I'm like, oh, man, what are, what are they doing here? Or, you know, in what I've played so far. So I, I can't really give you too much of a negative. Um I mean, kind of going to your point, I have played it on both PC and, and on Series X. I think Series X holds up very well from, from a visual standpoint. And when I did see some technical issues, I, ironically enough, it, it was it was on PC, not on Series X. So yeah, nothing nothing other than some some bugs, which again, you know, it's early pre you know, pre-order stuff. I'm sure there'll be a patch probably coming here anytime soon. Gary, what uh what uh what are some of your negatives from the experience with Call of Duty Modern Warfare? The, I mean, the, I think it's been pretty solid on the technical aspects. I had way more problems two years ago with uh, uh, Black Ops Warzone with some of the hard locks and things like that on, on the Xbox. Um, the only one that I can think of, and I, I touched on earlier, is there's a scene early on in um, uh, Amsterdam, which a lot of people have been pulling out some of those Amsterdam graphics. It's like, oh, my God, like, I, when, uh, people on Twitter are saying, like, I thought this was real. Because it really yes. does look incredibly. Yeah. The fidelity is just, again, the, the, the graphics team on these modern warfare games are just off the charts. It's so, so good. The facial performance is just everything. I mean, it really is like watching a movie at times. Um, but again, like the, the games will often fall into this trap of like, you know, NPC behavior is, is sometimes weird, even in like these really contained scripted environments. There's a scene that's just early on um, on the streets of like this, uh, you know, this kind of cafe district in Amsterdam where you have to snatch someone off the street and there's a little bit of a gun battle that takes place uh, right outside this cafe. And, you know, when we did that, like half of the people on the street kind of go into that like cower animation that they do. But then right next to him, there's someone else like sipping their coffee like nothing has happened. And it does that kind of that kind of weirdness does take you out of the immersion of it a little bit. It's like you're thinking about what's wrong with the game rather than, you know, what's happening in the context of the of the story world. Other than that, I think technically it's been pretty solid. The crafting thing <laughs> did throw me for a loop a little bit. That's actually where I am 
in the game right now is that you know that scene where like soap is kind of on his own and he's trying to like uh, navigate yes. out of, out of mm-hmm. that mexican town and there's all shit going on around him that's the first time that the crafting is introduced that's fairly deep into the into the campaign and it's the first time it, it, it feels weird sometimes i think when a game introduces a, a completely new gameplay mechanic that late in you know I just, i'm kind of like oh we're doing this now and it's fine i get it like it's not necessarily a, what what i what i want to be doing and it does fit it feels very kind of last of us you suddenly you're playing the last of us right keep your head down um you know don't use the flashlight you know creep around don't make a sound wrap you know wrap this in some tape so you can make a thing to like jam a lock with and i get it um it's it it just feels a little bit i, I like the game that the 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 game modulates between these different styles like it's very stealthy this this mission's going to be stealthy this mission's going to be more like just kick the doors down and get it done because you know those 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 are all different flavors of these combat type games that are all equally interesting and it keeps it you know you're doing one thing like all the time um but it's just it's just when new mechanics get and i you know i didn't want to have to like hunt around for the tape you know i just wanted to kind of get on with it and like it's i don't know it, just, it did feel a little bit weird to, to to introduce like a totally new mechanic like fairly deep into the campaign um other than that i didn't i i don't have a lot of negatives I, again the biggest overriding one is i just don't think there's a coherent story there is it's just a bunch of bros running around doing stuff and they're very good at, at that stuff like again the, the characters are so much fun i may be a bit biased by the fact that historically you know soap and ghost and tab and, and um and price are all brits and i just kind of like the fact that all these kind of badass you know sas motherfuckers getting it done in all the they're always kind of the lead heroes uh and farah is super cool as well the new villain valeria is oh, super cool i really really rocks. liked alejandro by the way the mexican special forces guy is a yeah. total badass but they're just they're they're just these two d these two dimensional badass type characters. There isn't a central character. There isn't really a central sense of like what it is that we're like what's going on here. Why do we care? Like again, maybe it's like interesting, Roger. Roger if you agree with me, like, yeah. did did you feel that same sense that I did? Like, if you pause the game at any minute and ask yourself, like, what's actually going on in the story right now? you can't really put your finger on it because it's all over the place. Yeah, absolutely. And especially with it comes to Alejandro, because I feel like that was such a layup of a character to be the new Farah, quote unquote, right? To be the character that brings us to to Mexico, that yep. is a character that ha- that grew up here, that under- he has that great line where he's like, he's like, I, I care about this because I'm the only one that would do yes, this. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, I will die for this place. And then we just have that one line. <laughs> and then he mentions his family a little bit. Like, I really thought he was going to be the one, but we don't really have a main character. I thought it was Soap going to be for a little bit, but then not really, and then he doesn't really have a backstory or anything. It just, it feels all over the place for sure. And, like, to to go off what you're saying, like, uh, about the uh, the crafting and stuff really quick, I, the thing that kind of made me pause a little bit was that they do all this amazing stuff in the game in terms of, like, crafting and the Hitman level pretty much, but then they don't feel as good as the games that are built for those things, mm-hmm. right? Like, I do the Hitman level, I want it to feel like Hitman or something like it, but it feels like Call of Duty with, like, a Hitman sort of skin. So I'm trying to figure out where are the lines, like, what they allow me to do, what they don't allow me to do. And that's something that, like, I just wish that this game from the ground up had that crafting or it had the Hitman elements or whatever. But, like, just adding it in for one level at a time, it just it feels clunky. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, we should wrap this up because we are running low on time. But uh, for me, four out of five, Great experience. Loved what they did here. Really enjoyed the gameplay. I love seeing the future of Call of Duty and where we're going gameplay-wise. From a visual and audio standpoint, the best in the biz. These guys and gals over there set the tone, and they make something really worthwhile and worth your experience and time 
to go check out. And then finally, I mean, the new characters. Gary brought it up. Valeria, are you kidding me? You hit me with Farah in 2019. <laughs> You're giving me the baddest women in video games right now. Valeria, what a great character there. Yeah. Love oh, and, and, and Laswell as well is a badass. Well. Yeah. She's super she, cool. She was she in said, the I'm field. Going back in the field. Yeah, I'm going like, back whoa. in the field, boys. <laughs> right. So I just wanted to make sure as we round that out, a couple of great highlights there. Of course, I did jump into the multiplayer last night. It is a burning hot trash fire as usual <laughs> when there is a million people trying to jump into the Call of Duty Modern Warfare <laughs> multiplayer servers. It is impossible to play. So I do want to say as of night number one, it was frustrating. It was another multiplayer experience where you think to yourself, come on, guys, I thought we had this down. What's happening? But then you also understand it's the biggest game of the year right now when it comes to multiplayer first-person shooters. It's going to be hot. And we were able to party up with three people and join games when I had a full stack of five. Nope, it just wouldn't let you join games, right? There's 10 maps in this suite. We bring up maps and content all the time. Shout out to that team. 10 maps. That's the number I want as a minimum. So I'm very pleased with that, right? Custom games, cross-play. This is the stuff that we talk about in 2022 that multiplayer games must have, right? And they hit that. And some of the maps, sure, are better than others, but you got to remember, you have the content there that's going to get us through this first initial push. And then we're going to talk about it. What's next? What's looming on the horizon? Is it a campaign situation, a spec ops situation? Is it more multiplayer maps? Of course, we know Warzone 2 is right around the corner. Will that hit this date in November, right? We talk about that first window. First two weeks, the casual gamer is going to go nuts for this. Then we start to lose people. Then we go into the month, the three-month window, right? You start to lose people. What's the content map? What's the season planned, right? How do you stick to that with this big of a team and this well-produced, right? And then what is Warzone? When is Warzone? And can it live up to the name and what people want right now in this Battle Royale landscape? So very exciting stuff. Can't wait to squad up with all of you. So stay frosty out there, my friends. And we will catch you after a word from our sponsors. You know what I have? No, besides a game award, life insurance. I want to make sure that if anything happens to me, my family is taken care of, and you should do the same. And since life insurance typically gets more expensive as we age, now is the time to buy. I didn't get my first life insurance policy until Ben was born, but it feels great knowing that no matter what, Jen and him are going to be okay. No matter what. Policy Genius was built to modernize the life insurance industry. Their technology makes it easy to compare life insurance quotes from top companies like AIG and Prudential in just a few clicks to find your lowest price. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $17 per month for $500,000 of coverage. They're not incentivized to recommend one insurer over another, so you can trust their guidance. And your personal info is private. No wonder they have thousands of five-star reviews on Google and Trustpilot. Your loved ones deserve a financial safety net, and you deserve a smarter way to find and buy it. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Go deeper into the canals of Numenor, the mines of Khazad-dûm, and more with the official The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power podcast. Hosted by friend of the show, Felicia Day, and several special guests, they provide an inside look at the groundbreaking series and what it took to bring Middle-earth to life. Each episode of the official podcast features exclusive interviews with the series showrunners J.D. Payne and Patrick McKay, including the very first full breakdown of the incredible 
season finale. Felicia also goes behind the scenes with the cast and crew to bring you jaw-dropping stories and Easter eggs you don't want to miss. Watch The Rings of Power on Prime Video and listen to all eight episodes of the official The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power podcast for free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app now. Welcome back, everyone. Guys, it's a very special day. A celebration has just occurred, and it's a very special one for me because I have asked for so long, Age of Empires, to come to console. And that day has now become a reality, everyone. So, of course, we get to celebrate Age of Empires' 25th anniversary. Pretty wild to look back on that as a 32-year-old gamer. You know, I can remember the first one, but I have very fond memories of Age of Empires 2 on my mom and dad's PC, right? This was a very special game to me, and I will always love Age of Empires. And, of course, we really got to enjoy Age of Empires 4, something I didn't think we'd ever go back to. But you know what? Xbox and that team created something really special with Age of Empires 4. And so we got to look back and celebrate. And that's where I want to start first before we get into the big news that all the Xbox gamers need to know about is just a celebration of mm. 25 years of Age of Empires, this incredible RTS game. Uh, you've seen a lot of RTSs in this genre, some really special ones, but very few have the lineage like Age of Empires. Paris, I want to start with you, one of my gaming dads. 25 years of Age of Empires, what does that mean to you? Any special fond memories? Yeah, I mean, it's a, an incredible accomplishment. Uh, my first memories of Age of Empires was with two, and it was that whole one more turn, and then you look up, it's freaking five o'clock in the morning, and, and you've not gotten any sleep. It's, <laughs> it's that type of game. Um, but it's been great to see, even obviously here with the latest version of it that, that's come out, is it's become almost this historic, like, it's almost like a history lesson that you're yes. getting. Going, going through this game and you're learning about these different civilizations and just the different aspects of, of war and trade and just everything that, that goes along with, with an Age of Empires game. But to see them be able to celebrate 25 years and then obviously we'll get into the news aspect of it is, is, is quite the achievement and congratulations to everybody, um, you know, across the various teams over the years that, that have brought this game to life. Really special stuff. Gary Witta, you're my guy, man. You've been in the industry forever. You know about these games. What do you think about Age of Empires? What are some of your favorite memories? First of all, I'm just glad that Barrett chose to accompany this with the video of the trebuchet. I can't the very first not thing, show the trebuchet when Mike brings it up. The very first thing that, that happened to me when you said Age of Empires, I was immediately triggered into thinking, oh my God, do you remember when they did that showcase? And half of it was a video about a fucking trebuchet. It wasn't their best showcase, <laughs> Gary. Okay? It wasn't their best showcase. I'm still triggered. Um, but no, listen, I, I agree with you. I'm, I, it's, it's very, very pleasing to me as, as, as an oldie here uh, to see the um, many of the games that were you know, the, the kind of the big games of um, the mid 90s. When I was editing PC Gamer in the mid 90s, running PC Gamer, like Age of Empires was one of those games, right? And, it, and it's continued to be huge. I, like you, did not expect Microsoft to, you know, it's too nerdy. Like, and it, did it ever really sell that well? I don't know. But like the fact that they they came back, they came strong um, uh, back with Age of Empires 4, um, I think it's tremendous. I actually never played a ton of Age of Empires, even back in, in my kind of um, 90s PC Gamer days. I was always more. Uh, Warcraft, Starcraft, Commander yes. Conquer mm -hmm. kind of guy. Those were kind of the three holy, the, 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 the three pillars of the kind of holy trinity of of uh, RTS. When I was uh, when I was big time into RTS games, and um, never really played the historical. One. I've got some friends that are like hardcore into Age of Empires and Civilization, the games that kind of lean much more into the kind of the real world uh, historical aspects. And I think it's, I, I love the fact that those games are out there for people that 
prefer their their RTS games a little bit more a little bit more grounded, uh, more historical. I'll be very interested to see what the console iteration of Age of Empires looks like because Age of Empires is like a proper RTS, right? If you play yes. that on PC, that is, you know, you've got all your macros, all your key commands, like you know, there's a lot going on. Um, and and as, as I've spoken about on the um, Xcast, we talked about Halo Wars and other RTS. I've always been a little bit skeptical at how well that maps to a console, to a to a to a um, uh, to a, a game controller. When you know, mouse and keyboard really is, I think, the ideal way to play. RTS is there mouse and keyboard support? I don't know. I just noticed that Call of Duty actually has it. That was something I was thinking about when I was playing Call of Duty earlier this week. Man, I wish I had a mouse and keyboard. Got to play it on Xbox because I'm going to I'm going to talk about it on the Xcast. But I kind of secretly wished I was on PC all the time, or at least that I was plugging in a mouse and keyboard, as I think the game allows you to do, so I could play uh, a first-person shooter the way I think they're meant to be played, coming from an old PC gaming background. And coming from that background, that's kind of how I feel. RTSs are best experienced as well, yep. but I'm willing. I'm willing. There was a time when I didn't believe that first-person shooters were viable on console, and Halo just proved that. And now, you know, look, look where we are. So I actually feel like I probably should sit down with like Age of Empires 4 on console with a gamepad at some point, and and just see if I can be convinced that it can be done. Because I feel like if it can be done, maybe Age of Empires 4, they've probably put more thought in how to how to translate a classic kind of you know fully you know a full red meat. Uh, RTS onto a console as with as much kind of control fidelity as possible. I remain skeptical, but I also am willing to you know have my mind changed. Paris, I saw well, that, that. Yeah, that was kind of my thing. I I, I got in a little bit of social media trouble some weeks back uh -oh. because I had mentioned that like I, I I'm of the 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 case that not every game needs to be like a PC game doesn't have to be on console and vice versa, mm -hmm. right? If if the format doesn't fit it, don't force it. Obviously, you want everything everywhere. Yes. But when, when you think of RTS games, like, like an Age of Empires, Civilization, things like that, if you can't translate that experience to a controller, don't force it. Mm. It was kind of my point on that. So to what Gary is saying, I'm very happy to see that Age of Empire, Empires 2 and 4 are going to get controller support, plus they are also going to have mouse and keyboard support yep. on, on, the, on the Xbox consoles. That's fantastic. The more people that can play, the better. But I, I do want to see how the controller experience is when compared to mouse and keyboard, because these games play best, obviously, with a mouse and keyboard experience, which you can replicate on the console if you so choose, which is good. But I am I'm still reserved to see how the controller experience will be on console. That would be my only caveat to that. But I am happy to see that experience come to console. Yeah, let's talk about the deets, right? Let's jump right into the details because we're we're hinting at it right now. So this is what you need to know. Yes, both Age of Empires 2 Definitive Edition and Age of Empires 4 are both coming to console in 2023 with Age 2 coming January 31st, 2023. Uh, that, release date is, that release date is set in Age of Empires 4 sometime later on in the year. There will also be an Age of Empires mobile game that was revealed there. And for all you true Age fans out there, Age of Mythology Retold is coming to PC Game Pass. It's currently in production now. Here's the Age of Empires on console details you need to know about. There will be a new tutorial designed specifically for controller input 
paired with a new user experience for console with, that will help players get started. We've also added new in-game AI, which helps make resource management in a strategy game efficient and intuitive. Players will be able to enjoy 83 maps, 42 multiplayer civilizations, 34 single-player campaigns, 10 multiplayer modes, and 7 co-op campaigns. And now Xbox players will be able to enjoy all this phenomenal game has to offer. And of course, for all you saying, Mike, Gary, I don't want to be queued up with you on a mouse and keyboard offering optional cross-play and mouse and keyboard support for yes. console fans out there. So, yes, there's your answer. We will have mouse and keyboard support. You have the new gamepad. They're working on a brand-new tutorial on how to teach people, right, Paris? That's the big one. And, yeah, that was for me, right, coming from RTSs. Age of Empires is kind of almost in its league of its own for me, right, as a novice RTS guy, right? There's Warcraft 3, there's StarCraft, right? Then I look over at Command & Conquer, I look at Halo Wars. Those are a little bit different than this one where I felt there's more detail in this. There's more to comprehend and go off of, right? But if they were able to put it on the gamepad, like Paris said, let's see. Let's see how you did it, because I think it still will be too tough for a lot of console players. Now, I will say, Gears Tactics, as an example, worked. Yes. On, for for the controller experience so i would imagine it would be something similar to that but it sounds like they have a ui um aid that they're going to be able to do and the fact that it, all these features that's exactly what you need to do when you're trying to translate a traditional mouse and keyboard experience to console give the console players different options like you said even with the cross play you can option out of that if you so choose mm -hmm. and that's the right way to do this so like i said it, it really just comes down let's let's see how it works because what h2 is going to be january yep. right end of january yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll obviously get a sneak peek on how that's going to look with age two. And then later in 2023, they'll bring it to age four. Um, and we'll, we'll, we'll see. So I would imagine in even in that scenario, you're going to get some lessons learned off of age two yep. on what yep. works, what doesn't work, community feedback, make sure you apply that by the time you bring out age four later in the year. Uh, quick shout out. Of course, to all my Lord of the Rings Battle for Middle Earth fans out there. Great freaking RTS on console. I know you're out there, the 12 of us that played <laughs> that. I love you out there. And, of course, this is a big deal for Xbox fans out there. The ecosystem continues to grow mobile, cloud, right? These are the things that we talk about in the Xbox ecosystem that make it so special. And Age of Empires celebrating 25 years, a fantastic franchise, an awesome RTS coming to console, which we've asked about for the years now since we've started the Xcast. Really, really exciting. I mean, I, I read the lineup of just Age of Empires 2 Definitive Edition. That is a lot of in-game content to go get lost and have fun in. And then Age of Empires 4 was really special this past year, right? You look at hands-on history like we talked about, making history fun and engaging through what they do with these campaigns. Very well done. Very awesome to see. So I, I finally will hopefully have more friends to play this awesome yeah, game that I love me so much. This sounds, this sounds, uh, hey, amazing. Roger, it's I got it you smiling. Let's wrap things up with one final news topic of the day that you need to know about. Of course, Fallout 4 is concluding their month-long celebration of all things Fallout 25. So shout out to them. We've talked about them earlier. But here's a big one for you. Fallout 4 is going next-gen. After many years of being out already, uh, a next-gen update is coming to Fallout 4. Coming in 2023, this free update will be available for Xbox Series X and S, PlayStation 5, and Windows PC systems, including performance mode, features for high frame rates, quality features for 4K resolution gameplay, bug fixes, and even bonus creation 
content. Oh. So if you're a Fallout fan out there a decade later, guess what? You're going to be able to play in the next gen to have some fun. And that is where we will conclude this week of the Kind of Funny X-Cast. Thank you all so much for tuning in, whether you're watching on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games, listening on your favorite podcast service, or if you're celebrating the launch of The Spare Bedroom, our brand-new state-of-the-art studio here in sunny San Francisco, live on Twitch.tv slash Kind of Funny Games or YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games. Thank you all so much for tuning in, watching, and supporting the podcast. We truly appreciate each and every one of you, and we cannot wait to come back next week to talk more games with all of you. So with that, have fun out there, gamers. Peace.